Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. When I was in college, my parents built a new house. We grew up out in the country on a farm and grew up in this old farmhouse. And uh, in college, they built a new house. And my dad, uh, the summer they built the house, my dad was up on a ladder uh, and he was painting in the peak of the roof. And the ladder slid out from under him. And he, he fell and landed on the ground and on the ladder. Uh, and he, he tore up his knee and uh, had cuts and scrapes. And um, he also knocked out a few teeth and had some, had some damage to his, his mouth. And so uh, they live out in the country. And so they called uh, 911. And the rescue squad came out to, to help him. And the, the rescue squad had contacted the hospital uh, to, to send an ambulance. But there was a little bit of miscommunication uh, with the hospital. They called it in. They said, we've got a, a man in his 50s that has a head injury um, because he had hit his face. And so when, they, when the hospital heard head injury, they said, all right, we're going to send a helicopter to, to get him. And when my dad heard that they were sending a helicopter, he, in his mind, immediately thought of the bill that comes along with someone sending a helicopter. And he said, no, 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 this is not, I do not need a helicopter ride. This is not critical. I know I'm hurt and need to go to the hospital, but I can wait for the ambulance. So he called off the helicopter and told them to send an ambulance. He said that uh, a helicopter is overkill in this situation. And thankfully, my dad's fine now, doing, doing great, full recovery. Fast forward 10 years, and my younger brother was helping a friend with a woodworking project, and they were using a table saw, and he got his hand in the table saw, and the table saw won, and he severed his thumb. Bad news. And so he and his buddy, they jumped in the truck and went to the hospital as fast as they could, and they get to the hospital, and the hospital took one look at him and said, you're going to a bigger hospital where there's a hand surgeon that can reattach that thumb. And so we're going to put you in a helicopter and, and send you in, right? So, and at that point, my brother said, yes, let's do that. That's the right call, right? Because in, in that type of situation, every minute counts, right? If you want that thumb reattached, you need to be in surgery ASAP, right? Uh, and... Again, thankfully, uh, my brother made a full recovery. The hand surgeon was able to successfully reattach his thumb, so he has all 10 fingers. He just has one thumb that's a little bit shorter, right? But that's, that's triage, right? That's when, when someone walks into a hospital, the first thing that that hospital does is they identify what level of care does this person need? How serious is this? Right? Sometimes it's not that serious and time is not that important, but sometimes it's really serious and every second counts. That's what's happening here in the book of Galatians. Paul had preached the gospel in the Roman province of Galatia, and men and women had responded to Paul's preaching, and they placed their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And now some churches had been established in Galatia. But after Paul left Galatia, 
and moved on somewhere else, we read in Acts chapter 15 that some people came in with a new message. So let's look at Acts 15 verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. When Paul heard that that message was being preached in Galatia, that was a drop everything, all hands on deck, red alert emergency to him. That was really bad news in Paul's mind. These men from Judea, their claim that in order to be saved, you must trust in Jesus and be circumcised. Paul understood that that claim was incompatible with and uh, completely opposed to his claim that you were justified or, or made right with Jesus, made right with God through Jesus and Jesus only. And so Paul, immediately when he heard that news, he wrote this letter to the churches in Galatia as an alarm bell for them, a warning to them. Do not accept this teaching. Do not listen to these men from Judea. Reject them and hold fast to the gospel that you heard from me. Now, in Galatians 2, verses 1 through 10, Paul uses his skill in emergency theological medicine to protect his hearers. So let's read the, the passage, Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Paul says, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. The first thing Paul does in these verses is he refutes the claim by these men from Judea that the apostles in Jerusalem were on their side. These men from Judea had gone to Galatia and they were saying to the churches there, listen, Paul's message, it's incomplete. 
It's, it's watered down. Paul is only preaching a partial gospel. And in Jerusalem, we are preaching the full gospel. We're coming from Jerusalem. The, everyone in Jerusalem is, is on our side, including the apostles there. And we have this more full gospel of Jesus plus works. Jesus plus circumcision. If you really want to be saved, you need to go beyond Paul's teaching and believe that you need to be saved by Jesus and by becoming circumcised. And Paul tells his readers, that is not true. The, the apostles in Jerusalem are not on their side. So he tells them about this second trip that he had taken to Jerusalem. We read, we read about the first trip last week at the end of chapter 1. So let's, let's look at verse 1. Paul says, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. So these 14 years, it's either 14 years after the first trip or 14 years after Paul's conversion. There's a little ambiguity, but it doesn't, doesn't really matter. So Paul goes back to Jerusalem a second time with Barnabas and Titus. And we read about this trip in Acts chapter 11 starting in verse 27. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. So Paul was ministering in the city of Antioch. And one of them, one of these prophets named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Paul's off in Antioch doing gospel ministry, and a prophet is in the church, and he says, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me that there's going to be a famine. And when the church in Antioch heard that there would be a famine, they decided, let's send some financial relief to these poor brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Let's help them with this gift. And so they decide to send Barnabas and Paul as the bearers of that gift. And here in Galatians 2, Paul tells us that Titus also went with. So Paul goes to Jerusalem, and while he's in Jerusalem, he lays out his gospel message to the leaders in Jerusalem. Verse 2, I went up because of a revelation and set before them the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles. When Paul went to Jerusalem and met with these elders, as, as he's relating this story to the Galatian church and to us, he's really careful to, to emphasize that he was not under the authority of these leaders in Jerusalem, and that he was not going to them seeking their permission or seeking their validation on, on his ministry. Verse 2, he says, I went up because of a revelation. This is probably referring back to what this prophet Agabus had said. Paul said, I went to Jerusalem not because I got called to Jerusalem, like being called to the principal's office. No, I went to Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit told me to go to Jerusalem, because I'm, I'm getting my marching orders directly from God. And when he, when he went, 
he, he met with these who seemed influential. And Paul uses that phrase four times in the passage. Those who seemed to be influential, or verse 9, those who seemed to be pillars. Paul's saying, these people seem to be important, but whether or not they're important doesn't really matter to me. Because the only person who I care how important they are is Jesus. I'm, I'm hearing directly from Jesus. I have received my gospel message directly from the mouth of Jesus. And now I'm going to uh, share this message to compare notes with these leaders in Jerusalem. But I'm every bit as influential. I have every bit of the authority that they have because my authority comes from Jesus. And he, he went, verse 2 and he shared his message with them in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. So we think, is Paul sharing this message with them to make sure that his message is right? And we saw in chapter 1 that the answer to that is no. Paul said at the beginning of his letter, he said, if anyone preaches a gospel that is different from mine, if anyone preaches a gospel contrary to the one you heard from me, let that person be accursed. So Paul knows that he's right. Paul firmly believes that his message of salvation in Jesus alone is the right message because he heard it directly from Jesus. So he's not going to these uh, Jerusalem leaders to make sure that he's right. He's going to make sure that they're not wrong. He's making sure that they haven't swayed from, steered away from the gospel. Because if he's out on the frontier preaching the gospel to people who haven't heard about Jesus, if he's out on the frontier and back in Jerusalem, the apostles go steer left and go away from the gospel, that's going to make his job harder. That's going to undermine some of his ministry. Right? Because you're going to have people coming in behind Paul, like these men from Judea, and saying, listen, Paul's off on his own. Everybody else believes this. And so it's going to, it's going to undo some of Paul's work. And so Paul's trying to determine, have these guys stayed faithful to the gospel, or am I going to have to oppose them? And actually, next week, we're going to see that Paul did have to oppose Peter at one point, because Peter did steer away from the gospel in one circumstance. So Paul, Paul knows that he has received the true gospel directly from Jesus, that he's an apostle that's been commissioned by Jesus. Quick word of application about why, why this matters. This is another piece of evidence for us that all of the New Testament is God's word. Everything you read in the New Testament is the word of God. That, that's true of the whole Bible, but we're just focusing on the New Testament this morning. The New Testament was written by the apostles or by, by men who were under the direct authority of the apostles. It was either written by apostles like Peter and, James, Peter and John and, and Paul, or it was written by men who were sitting under Peter and, and Paul and John and others, right? And so... It's all God's word, and it all agrees. Paul's theology and John's theology 
and Peter's theology, and for that matter, Jesus's theology, are, they're the same theology. There's only one New Testament theology. There's not, here's the message you hear from Paul, but it's different from what you hear from Peter, and, and John has a, has a different message. No, it's, it's all the same message. When you are reading Paul, you are reading God's word, just like when you're reading John, and just like when you're reading the words of Jesus. It's all on the same level. It's consistent, it's true, and it has authority. Paul fought for that authority. And when Paul went to these leaders in Jerusalem, we, we see in verse 1 and verse 3 that he took Titus along with him. Paul took Titus with him to force the issue for the, the church in Jerusalem. Verse 3, even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised. Paul not only goes to the leaders in Jerusalem and lays out his message, but he also brings along with him evidence of the fruit of his ministry. Here's what I've been preaching, and here is someone who has embraced my preaching and is now partnering with me to continue spreading that preaching. Theology is never abstract. We don't sit on, in our armchairs and argue over finer points of theology, like these armchair philosophers. Theology matters. These are real, th 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 these are real people. That has a, theology has a real impact on people. Titus was, he was banking his life on Paul's message. His, he was putting all of his eternal hope in what Paul preached. And so in, in effect, Paul is saying to the, the leaders in, in Jerusalem, this man is claiming Christ as his Lord and Savior. He is not circumcised. He does not follow a kosher diet. He does not keep the Jewish calendar. But he's claiming Jesus. Do you receive him as a brother? Will you accept him as one of us? And so for us, Oak Hill's theology matters. What we believe and what we teach matters. The main role, the most basic role that a church has is to share, to communicate the message of how you can be right with God the most important thing that Oak Hill is saying is, hey, if you want to be right with God, here's how. And then we, we teach that message, we tell people that message, and then those who agree with that message, who affirm that reality, trust that reality, we say, yes, those people are believers. We affirm their testimony. That's what membership is. Membership is, is when the church affirms the testimony of a believer, right? And not only do we affirm the testimony of believers, but with, with broken hearts, we, we assert that people who don't believe that are not believers. People who don't hold to the message of salvation are unbelievers. And so if we are preaching a false or a confusing gospel, then we are in danger of giving people false assurance 
that they are right with God when they are not right with God. Or we are in danger of wrongly breaking fellowship with people who are right with God. Church history is full of examples of, of the church giving false assurance to people. And it's, it's also full of examples of failing to receive people who have the right theology, but the wrong skin color, or the wrong politics, or the wrong financial status, or the wrong outfit even, right? So we, we can't do that. We need to receive the people that Jesus receives and not add burdens to them. And so, so Paul brought Titus to this church to force them to answer, hey, do you receive this guy? Do you agree that this guy is right before God? And the leaders in Jerusalem said, yes, we agree with you, Paul. When Jesus brought or excuse me, when Paul brought Titus and his message to Jerusalem, the leaders there affirmed it. Verse, verse 3, But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Verse 6, Those who seemed to be influential, those who seemed to be influential added nothing to me. And then verse 9, when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They added nothing to Paul's message. They heard Paul and they said, yes, we agree completely. We have nothing to add and there's nothing for you to remove. What you say is the true gospel. It's the same message that we are proclaiming. And we want you to keep going. And they, they agree with Paul that Titus does not need to be circumcised. The fact that Titus was a Greek and not a Jew was not a problem for these leaders. There was nothing wrong with Titus that needed to be fixed. He was good to go. And they, they not only agreed with Paul, but they, they embraced him, right? They gave him the right hand of fellowship, and they told him, keep preaching. Keep doing what you're doing. We're behind you in it. We're against these other men from Judea, the Jesus plus crowd. We're with Paul in the Jesus only crowd. And then verse 10, they add this. Only... They asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. And I, I kind of struggled with that verse this week. I was, wasn't sure how it related, and I was almost tempted to just skip it. Uh, but this morning, it, it finally hit me that when Paul met with the, the leaders in Jerusalem, there were two items that he and the leaders agreed on. They agreed on the gospel and they agreed on the importance of caring for the poor. If you're looking for evidence of the Spirit's work in a ministry, you can look for a concern for clear biblical teaching and love for others, especially for those who are weak and vulnerable. Right? So, 
the, the leaders in Jerusalem, they hear Paul's message and they say, yeah, we love what you're, what you're saying, Paul. We agree with you completely. That is the truth. And can we just add, as you're preaching, as you're out telling people about Jesus, remember the poor. We care a lot about the poor. Jesus cared a lot about the poor. And Paul hears that and he says, amen, I agree. I'm going to keep preaching this gospel and I'm here in Jerusalem because I have an offering for the poor. The thing that you're asking me to do is the very thing that I want to do. So they're on the same page in, in both of these ways. So Paul refutes that claim that the apostles in Jerusalem were on the side of these men from Judea. But then Paul goes even further. He exposes these men as false brothers. And, and he says that these false brothers, they mean to bring the Galatians out of freedom and back into spiritual slavery. Verse 4, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. Paul does not mince words when he talks about these men. They are false brothers. They are not real Christians. What they have to say is not the truth and it is not helpful. They're more like slave catchers. They're out spying on you they, they mean to capture you. You have this newfound freedom in Christ, and they mean to capture you and bring you back into spiritual slavery. And so you need to resist them. Before the men and women of the churches in Galatia had uh, heard Paul's message, we need to remember who they were. They were cut off from God. They didn't know who God was. They were worshiping false idols. Whatever the idol in their town was, that's who they were worshiping. They didn't know God. They didn't care about God. They were headed for eternity apart from God in hell. They were destined to spend eternity away from God, slaves to their sin and their idolatry. And then Paul came in and he told them about Jesus. He preached the gospel to them and said, you can be set free from your sin by trusting in Jesus as your savior. And they grabbed hold of him and they became free. And now these men from Judea come in and they say, no, 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 you have to be circumcised. If you want to be saved, you need to be circumcised and start following the law. You need to trust in Jesus and your ability to keep the law if you really want to be right with God. And Paul says, all you're doing is swapping out one set of chains for another. Don't do that. Paul knew that if Titus was circumcised, it would be the end of the line for him, the end of his freedom in Christ and the end of the freedom for these Galatians as well. And so Paul says, verse 5, to them we did not yield even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. We recognized it for what it was and we rejected it. I called uh, John Slater yesterday. Uh, let's look at, sorry, let's look at 1 Timothy 4, 16. Paul, Paul tells 
uh, this to Timothy. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Listen, Paul, listen, Timothy, the only thing that's saving you is this gospel message. The only thing that's saving your hearers is this gospel message, and so stay close to that. So I called John Slater yesterday. Some of you know he's, a, he's on the city council in Humboldt. I said, hey, John, what is Humboldt's budget for water? How much does the city of Humboldt spend on, on water? And he told me that the city of Humboldt spends just over a million dollars a year on clean drinking water. That is money well spent. That's, right, that's good. We, we don't leave safe drinking water up to chance. You don't cut corners and say, well, I hope that the water from the river is clean enough. No, we, we spend money to make sure that the water we have is safe to drink. The message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ is like pure water. It gives life to everyone who drinks it. And so we need to be fierce, even obsessive, about keeping that water clean. If somebody slips poison in, then that water is no longer good for us, but now it's going to kill us. And so when Paul hears about this, these people trying to pollute the gospel message, he, he wants to stop it at all costs. And this brings us to our, our conclusion. Paul explains to the, Gentile, to the Galatians that the problem with these men from Judea, the fundamental error that they were making is that they didn't understand that Jews who are circumcised and Gentiles who are uncircumcised need the gospel. That, Je that Jesus came to save those who were not under the law and those who were under the law. Look at verse 7. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. Paul's job was to preach the gospel to the uncircumcised. Peter's job was to preach the gospel to the circumcised. Uncircumcised people need Jesus. Circumcised people need Jesus. Paul says this most clearly a few verses later in verses 15 through 16. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. The only way to be justified by God is through Jesus Christ, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're a law keeper or not. How are well-mannered, rule-following, religious, self-righteous people saved? By Jesus. And how are licentious, non-religious, go-my-own-way people saved? By Jesus. 
You don't get saved by getting religion or even by getting your act together. You get saved by getting Jesus. You are either safe in Jesus or you are not safe. Keeping the law isn't going to help you because you can't keep the law. Trying to clean up your act is not going to help you because you can't clean up your act. The only thing that will help you is going to Jesus. So we're going to close. We're going to sing Jesus Paid It All as our closing song. And as we're we're singing, I just want us to to meditate on this song and, and see that this is the foundation of our faith. Our sin leaves a crimson stain that we can't wash out. We can't get that stain out. Jesus washes it white as snow. Let's pray. Father, the gospel is pure life for us. It is, it is the news that we can be right with you because of Jesus. So Lord, would you help us to keep close attention to that message in our own hearts, in our families, in this church. Let us, let us be crystal clear that we are only safe in Jesus. And, and help us to, to push against any attempts to smuggle in other ingredients, to keep that gospel message clean and simple. And then, Lord, give us, give us energy and joy to tell others about Jesus so that they too can be safe in him. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.